Hello and welcome to Select Match Type. My name's Simon Cowgill and I'm joined as always by Christopher Ellis. Hi Chris, how are you? I am very well, Simon, yourself? Yeah, good, thank you. Uh, you've you've been to your first lo- post-lockdown gig. Um, how was yeah, it? Yeah, my first socially distanced gig at the at Nottingham Arboretum when I saw Frank Turner last night. Absolutely always amazing. A always a good show. Oh, exactly. What what more could you want from a post-lockdown show? We've done the last seven years now, one, at least one Frank Turner show a year, and we had originally a, a show at Rock City scheduled in for March. Obviously, that got cancelled when lockdown kicked in. Thought that the streak was going to be broken, but much like the Undertaker, much like the Undertaker streak, to bring it back. But no, the streak continues. Seven and zero. Who's uh, who's going to be the Brock Lesnar in this scenario? It was nearly COVID, but no, <laughs> it found a way, it found a way, found a way to win. Which it's fine. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Brock Lesnar turning up or COVID? <laughs> Brock Lesnar, clearly, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Um, so our episode today, we we really hyped it up at the end of the uh, the previous episode. Probably the most watched match and particularly the most watched moment in WWF history. We're going to look back on King of the Ring 1998 and the Hell in a Cell match between Mankind and The Undertaker. What do you remember about this one then, Chris? How many times do you reckon you've you've seen this match in the past? I've seen this match a fair few times. That clip... We're probably talking. We're probably talking hundreds. Yeah. But you can't watch WWE programming without seeing that clip at the start of every or the the start of all the uh, shows. But yeah, it's a classic for a, a very good reason, as we'll get into. Yeah, around around this time, I was still still in in and out of wrestling, so still watching most most of the time, picking up tapes still back in the day. VHS has actually watched the shows i know mankind and undertaker at this point i've been feuding for about two years yeah. so this this one did go on with quite a few other matches that you'd expect could be the blow off to this feud we've had buried alive we had the boiler room we had paul bear above the ring in a cage we there's quite quite a lot going on but yeah, the first this time is we a... see Paul Bearer dangled above something in the uh, in an Undertaker match, which is a bit surprising. But so yeah, so it's as I say, around this time I was I still into it. Yeah, and this is this is the best match in what was a really great feud. Yeah, I would not disagree with that in any way. So. Yeah, as you, as you mentioned, Mankind um, debuted in 1996, and as soon as he came across the WWF, started going after The Undertaker, costing him matches. Um, they ended up having having a match where The Undertaker was um, knocked unconscious or made to pass out by the Mandible Claw at that year's King of the Ring. Um, as you mentioned, there was then the Boiler Room Brawl with uh, Bearer turning on The Undertaker, leading to the Buried Alive match, which uh, we won't cover um, as... You may have seen on social media, our next series will be Buried Alive, so don't want to uh, ruin our series, our next series uh, in, in this one. So We'll keep our powder dry. Exactly. Um, yeah, and essentially it was ongoing for a year and a half. Um, the Undertaker then moved away from the feud slightly as he won the title at WrestleMania 13, but by the summer of 98, Mankind had aligned himself with Kane and Paul Bearer, um, and they basically were feuding with Austin and The Undertaker. Um, they actually had a, a tag team Hell in a Cell match on Raw, 
um, which then set up the main events for King of the Ring. So there was this Hell in a Cell match plus Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Kane in a first blood match. I've got a big problem with having Kane in a first blood match. He's wearing a mask. <laughs> yeah, you have to, clearly is a trustworthy guy. You just got to go, Kane, are you bleeding? If he goes no, Jeff would just go, okay, then trust you. He, he couldn't even speak at this point, so. You'll have to just nod, it's fine. Yeah. Well, I. Um, I remember playing No Mercy um, and thinking the same thing at the time because first blood matches were one of the few... There wasn't a massive amount of gimmick matches that you could play on No Mercy, but first blood was one of them. And I was always confused when um, the first time I played with Kane and the, the blood actually came over the top of his mask on, on No Mercy, which was a nice touch, I think. Yeah, you want to know, you, you want to know you've won. You could still still sit there and be playing that now, twenty years whatever it is, twenty years down the line. Yeah. Still there, still trying to get that one match finished. <laughs> um, so to the show itself, Paul Bearer uh, came out, cut a promo in the middle of the night, and said that he wouldn't miss this night for the world. He curses the Undertaker to hell, and goes on to say that Kane used to tell Bearer that he wanted to be exactly like The Undertaker when he was watching on TV. I wonder, did, it would have been nice to have some sort of accompanying clip of a, a young boy wearing a Kane mask. <laughs> <laughs> the mask yeah. goes as he does. It's all kind of like red and black striped pyjamas. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, Bearer goes on to say that it'll be the happiest night of his life because he'll be the manager and the, of the and the father of the WWF champion. And you can laugh at the fat man all you want, but he's going to laugh his way all the way to the bank. It's a bit of an odd one to talk about um, Bearer and Kane in this, but their feud was so intertwined with uh, Mankind and The Undertaker that there's a lot of crossover, particularly at this pay-per-view. Yeah, uh, as I say, the Kane and Taker feud again, and the one that pretty much ran that whole same time time frame. Yeah, but yeah, it's, it's nice though. I don't I don't mind the fact that we actually have at least the storylines are actually meaning something. It, it shows they actually are looks like they're trying to put some kind of effort in as a story that encompasses more than just one match and does bring in other people and other matches yeah like a light the um the roster being a live story scenario where other things impacting uh other impact other feuds i think is a, is a really good touch and something that we don't see that much nowadays where you just have well we're we're a face your face so let's team together against the heels yeah exactly it's, it's nice to see story nice to see storytelling in wrestling yeah that's it. it should be it should be number one but yeah it's not it's, we, have to, we have to we have to point it out when it still turns up now and then so yeah um the cell starts to get lowered as King and JR are on commentary. I was getting really excited to rewatch this at this point. Um, I've seen it so many times in the past, but every time I get excited when the cell's coming down. Um, JR mentions that we've only seen one Hell in a Cell match, uh, and it's a, a match that's custom built for injury. He's forgotten. There was a Hell in a Cell match like two weeks ago on Raw, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I'd literally just I completely forgot about that. That's how memorable that match must be that I complete completely slipped my mind. And it's well, a tag think, team. Yeah, it's a tag team. You can't have a tag team hell in cell. No. Um JR says that um it may be the last structure they stand in before being carried out to the general hospital. 
it's weird to hear them say hospital because nowadays um Vince McMahon's very strict that it's a medical facility. You can't say hospital. It implies that like that the injuries are real and things like that. Um, but before I could uh, even think about that, King says, they might not stop there. They might go straight to the morgue, which JR says he hopes that it's not that drastic, obviously. No shit, JR. You don't want people to die live on TV. <laughs> Uh, Mankind comes out first. He's got his old school uh, music. It really suits his deranged character here. Um, not the car crash and da 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 the, the one before that, which is yeah, they got really the dark. They got the twisted fairground kind of yeah. vibe that they've got going on, which is yeah, does work brilliantly. It does. Um, Mankind does at this point though have his shirt and tie. Um, gimmick rather than the sort of brown boiler suit that he debuted in um and he's obviously got the the, the mask on that is mankind is famous for uh, he also comes out with a chair um, which is a good sign for the match i guess some of those walkways are really long you have to have a <laughs> yeah you might need to sit down halfway down you know what it's like as well you get to these places no seats take your own sorted yeah. Smarts, I call that. Just forward planning. Um, JR says that he was born Mick Foley. He's had incarnations as Dude Love and Cactus Jack, which are infamous. But the most deranged of his characters is Mankind. Um, I think, well, I'm sure we'd have talked about this later on, but the commentary in this match adds so much to it, to the story as well. Oh, yeah, JR's, JR's so good in brilliant. it. Even King... Um, he, he has a few questionable lines, but he's, he's very good throughout it. Um, Mankind goes through the door, decides to come back out. He manages to throw the chair straight on top of the cell first time, which uh, is a record I that's a sk- about. <laughs> that's a skill, because Undertaker can't do it. He's, he's dicked it up. That time, poor timekeeper. It was Cactus The timekeeper. Yeah, a couple of years later, he failed to do it. Um, he failed to repeat the uh, the trick, if you like. Yeah, but it was the timekeeper yeah. throwing it to Undertaker, wasn't it? In the Armageddon one. Yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard to get right. So well, the... I guess um, mankind's done it right by doing it at the start of the match rather than when he's knackered halfway through it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Just it, it sets the tone really nicely as well. It's, it's clear. It's you go clear. straight off. You go. Okay. Well, this clearly. Yeah. You go. This clearly going to be something. This is going to be violent and nasty. Yeah. And it is. Um. So yeah, mankind climbs up. I noticed how rickety the panels look, or the um the the mesh on the cage. Every step that he takes, it sinks, and it looks like he's going to fall through. Um. Yeah. He struggle. He struggles at points to actually get. A, proper grip on there that first about the second or third step up it does look like if he puts his weight on there all that's going to happen is his foot's going to go down and rip off half that cage yeah it really does um the undertaker's gong goes and darkness uh, engulfs the arena king says it's dark up there he may fall off the cell <laughs> no if he just stands still he, he won't just fall over <laughs> i tell you what though at that point i, I, I don't want to i don't know if i myself agreeing with king Ever, but at that point he's he is walking around the edge of that edge of that cage, and then the lights suddenly go. I was looking at it going, we may we may well, well in another life we could have well seen just him just fall off the cage when it goes dark. 
Yeah, I mean, it's not surprising that darkness is going to um, uh, come when the Undertaker uh, makes his entrance. So I'd have just stood in the centre of the cell, not moved, and have been all right, unless the cell gave no. up, which is quite Yeah, long. exactly. It's just the fact that man, it's just the fact that he's walking around all up, up there when he knows he knows the about he is gone, so he knows it's going to go dark. He's still like, no, you're going to walk around right, right <laughs> by the edge of it. Yeah, just walk under some ladders, um, you know, break some mirrors, all, all the all the things you should really do. Yeah, all the classic good luck. Uh, the Undertaker comes out in what I've described in my notes as a mini shredder overcoat. So he talks about how uh, when he was in the Ministry of Darkness and he came out to face the boss man, he had the full uh, shredder suit with the um, like the shoulders, um, the, the blades coming out of the shoulder and stuff. It's a it's a mini version here. Um, he stops uh, three times on his entrance for some pyro which i've never seen the undertaker do i've seen him like no race fire but just walk a couple of steps stop a firework next one reminded me of uh, partridge uh, doing the um the burning flame um, presentation do you want some glitter there you go <laughs> <laughs> not to get not to get sidetracked but that is a brilliant that is a brilliant, brilliant episode of really Alan Partridge. If anyone, if anyone wants to go check out one episode, Mankind I recommend could that have one. easily pierced his foot on the cage, which is a, a, another reference to the same episode. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I reckon, do you reckon Undertaker's wearing the, the smaller shredder overcoat because it's getting warmer? Normally, WrestleMania is April, it's cold. That's true. By the time we get in the King of the Ring, we're here in kind of, Ju- June, we're in kind of yeah. June. So, yeah, so it's probably like. Nah, I'll just put on a lot. I'll just put on my light shredder jacket. <laughs> it's, a, it's a summer jacket. <laughs> yeah, it's summer look. Yeah. Um, Jr. says, "Oh, he's ch- the Undertaker's changed recently. He's almost satanic. Um, he's a his character to this point in WWF is a literal dead man. So <laughs> it's not that big a stretch to say that he's sata- uh, satanic and that that means he's changed." Yeah, and and to be honest, they. T- with the women losing Paul Bearer, they've done a lot of stuff that he, he moved. He had a lot more of the Attitude Era stuff they were bringing in with him. They were moving away from him just being the dead man of that kind of and just say uh, evil presence. So yeah, I think he's I think he's kind of wrong there. Yeah, yeah. I, I tend to agree. Um, the Undertaker uh, climbs up and JR says, The Undertaker said, You want me to come up there? Well, he says, I'll come up there and whip your butt. <laughs> Fighting words, JR. <laughs> I love the fact they have to watch what they say language wise. Oh. You can hit the man with it. You can hit the man in the head with a chair. Can't say it. You have to go there, whip your butt. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we get a few punches to start. The cell panels look so uh, rickety, as, as I say. Mankind hits a couple of chair shots. There's a chair shot to the back, and JR says, oh, that makes my blood curl. King says, it makes my hair stand on end. I like it! <laughs> He's like, whoa, JR. <laughs> so, sorry, whoa, King. No, now is not the time to get into your, uh, <laughs> your seeded little fantasies about being hit over the back with a chair. <laughs> I do, yeah, that's... That's one way that we're looking at, and and poor old Jr. We know obviously he's had his he's had he has medical issues. He should when he goes in next, whenever he's got his next checkup, his next general medical, he should have to about his blood curling. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is that is not a good sign. Curdle, <laughs> yeah, my blood curdle, yeah, curling blood, no. 
I, to be honest, oh. if, if his blood was curdling, I'd, I'd recommend seeing a doctor too. Yeah, true. Yeah, my, my curdling blood. Oh, yeah, I, I bleed and he just pisses out in any angle. <laughs> yeah. um, JR, it's not a Hell in a Cell match without JR saying they're fighting on the roof uh, as one of the panels underneath them gives way. It literally like pulls away from the, uh, the mesh, um, the, the panel, which is not a good sign. Uh, they then start edging the way towards the right-hand side of the um, of the Hell in a Cell, which is to the side where the commentary tables are. Undertaker grabs Mankind, um, almost as if Barney's being thrown out of Moe's, um, and launches him off the side of the cell through the Spanish announce table. And JR's commentary here is pretty much perfect. God almighty, God almighty, you killed him. As God is my witness, he's broken in half. Somebody get out here. I really mean it. It was so good. <laughs> it, it is, it is amazing. I don't know how much indication they had of what was, how they were going to do the match and what spots was actually going to happen. Cause it sounds like he has no idea. He hasn't been told a single thing yeah. about this. And apparently Terry Funk and Mick Foley were backstage before the match discussing how to top the previous Hell in a Cell. And yeah, and they said it as a, bit got, of a joke to start with. As oh, maybe I yeah, he said, "Why did you just thrown off it?" <laughs> yeah, why did you just why did you tell for the here? Why did you just let him throw? Why did you just let him throw you off the cell? Yeah. And they went, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, that's a great idea." And that's what they went <laughs> with. Take his response to that was, "Do you want to die?" <laughs> Which is an amazing thing to say. Um, You've def- if you've ever watched wrestling, you've probably seen that clip before. If you've not seen the clip, go and watch it. It's what the most ridiculous moment, probably still in in WWF history. Yeah, because wrestling history. That's the thing. If you if you get that if you get that wrong at all, then there's no there's no happy outcome no. for that because there's no there's no padding, there's no mat underneath it like WWE now. If you come off. Of something that high, you can see the see the crash mat underneath. Yeah, just like the, goes the through... Shane McMahon one where he jumps off the top and he lands like flush on the table, and it sort of makes a sound as if he's uh, landed on a crash mat, as you say. Yeah, or the Undertaker uh, Triple H WrestleMania match where he choke slams him. Oh yeah, through in out in the crowd, and they they awfully they use the the camera uh, the crane shot where you can see you can see the padding go out around him as he la- as he lands yeah which is an awful awful shot uh, yeah, the, yeah there's none of that here it's safe to say no he's just through the t- he's just through the table onto the floor uh, what so they show a replay from behind the Spanish announce table so mankind coming towards the camera and that's what where it looks particularly scary because. The padding that they have at wrestling to separate the crowd from the ring now, um, that they have now, isn't there. It's just a metal rail, and it's about three feet behind the Spanish announce table. So you only have to go slightly wrong, and he's landing on a fucking metal rail. (laughs) One thing I noticed that I don't know if I've ever noticed before, um, but... When it shows the replays, I notice the Spanish announce team are still sat down as Mankind sets off the cage. So they're like... So I think what you were saying about the fact that the announce teams didn't necessarily know exactly what was going to happen um, has some legs there, because, yeah, the Spanish announce team are pretty slow to get out of the way. Maybe they just thought he was going to absolutely nail it. They're just like, yeah, no problem. Yeah. Just, uh, just sit here. Going to be fine. 
And it was, to be fair. Yeah. Their confidence was completely justified. <laughs> uh, JR asks, if somebody could get off their butt and get out of here, he's obsessed with yes. tonight. <laughs> right, see, that's, that's the problem with the commentary at this point. The first part is amazing and sounds great, but then when he has to do it on the next line, like, oh, if someone could get out of here and sit just in the back on their butt, it's like, oh my God, no, that sounds... After the, after, he should have just left it. Should have just be quiet. Yeah, I can see sort of what they're going for in that, like he, they're trying to make out that he is genuinely hurt. Like it's not part of the show. But yeah, just the problem it's a is bit cringy. I think the problem is he can't, he can't do what normal people do, which would be swear to get the urgency across. So he yeah. can't scream. Get someone, get the fuck out of here. Even so though he's he has this... literally, like, not literally, yeah, uh, very close to literally dying. <laughs> Yeah, so while we while we can have that, we can't we can't have JR cursing on air. Even though you could bleep it, it's fine. Yeah, exactly. It's gonna, you know, if you know he's gonna say it, then. Yeah. But yeah, so the first part A star, the next part F. Unfortunately, <laughs> okay. quite the uh, the um, <laughs> seesaw of commentary for you there, Chris. <laughs> It's very much like a Tory government, Tory examiner, Hadley. <laughs> right. uh, Terry Funk and some refs come out. King asks, can you help these guys here? Um, and this is where I thought maybe the Spanish announce team had been hurt because, as I mentioned, it looked like they sort of struggled to get out of the way. I looked it up and there's a lot of um, stuff written about this match. Um, there's been a lot of interviews. They've done a couple of docu- documentaries about it on the network, but I couldn't find anything about the Spanish announce team being injured. But King says, there's a lot of people hurt here. I've never noticed it before, but I'm convinced that there's... Um, de- like, one of the Spanish announce guys, at least, um, was injured in, in, the, in the fall or in the melee from the table break-in. Did you pick up on it? Yeah. Any of that? Yeah, I mean, just the fact that, as you say, it seems, I notice what you say when King says there's there's people, and normally they don't care about the Spanish announcement. They would they would normally wouldn't feel the need to actually mention it at all, no. regardless of what happens to them. And we've seen a lot happen to the poor Spanish guys. We've seen a lot happen to their table. And they never feel the need to get have any concern over them generally. Do so yeah, think, I think that probably was. Was this the first? Was this? Um, the Spanish announce table um, big bang if you like or had there been Sp- uh, Spanish announce no I'm sure this? I'm sure people get slammed through tables tables and stuff before this I'm, I'm certain of it probably I well it used to be like the the wooden ones uh, just with a cloth over them so yeah I, I don't know but um, yeah if anyone knows um, any details about that the Spanish announced team or anyone else being injured from this that's not um, Mankind obviously then then let us know Um, JR then says somebody at home is probably saying they don't know how to fall give me a break (laughs) Um, he definitely used that line in the uh, Michaels Undertaker one as well didn't he yeah he does it's so he said oh it's okay because they know how to fall and to be fair yeah, yes, they do. It's not to be... I mean, I've, nowadays especially, I'm not sure how much training Mick Foley has, but then again, he was wrestling in Japan. Yeah. I'm sure he's fallen off a lot. He's fallen off a lot of stuff in his life. Yeah, he's literally yeah, so, cut off. So, so I, ma- I imagine it's, it's like anything there when you look at that, you go, yeah, you, if, even if you know how to land, that's still a dangerous spot to do because 
anything could have gone wrong yeah. there. Yeah, definitely. So, the fact that if you if you know how to fall and roll, that takes nothing away from the fact that you've got the balls to do it in the first place. Yeah, 100%. Uh, so, Mankind is put on the stretcher. Um, as, as he gets loaded on, the found... <laughs> A fan behind him shouts, yeah, finish the match, man, do it. Almost as if he knows that Mankind's likely to, to finish the match anyway. Don't read, don't, read the, don't read the segue, we're just circling back to earlier, when when they come out the first time, when Terry Funk comes out when he's laying down on the announce table, and so he goes, it's good to see you, Terry. <laughs> I didn't hear that. <laughs> it's something along those lines. Right, I think okay. I picked it. I've only picked it up because I was watching the match with my headphones in. Right. But yeah, okay. so it doesn't say a lot of lines. It's good to see you, Terry. <laughs> so he gets rolled away. Um, the Undertaker climbs down to on the commentary table side of the cell. Uh, Mankind gets back up off the stretcher as he's being rolled towards the entranceway. Um, he's smiling. Um, and he starts to climb back up the uh, the side, and the Undertaker climbs up the other one. The the clip of mankind sort of limping, holding his arm because he's dislocated his shoulder from the fall. Um, oh, it just gives me chills as it happens. Just, it's definitely a nostalgia element, but I I can't watch that without getting excited. No, it's a, it's, it's got a, it's just got a look. It's the look on his face that year. It looks like he wouldn't want to be anywhere else in the world at that no. point. He's clearly loving what he's doing more than anything at that time. And I'm I'm to have a job where throwing myself off a cage is a height of is a height of my day, and something I'd love to do. But unfortunately, not. But he is clearly having an absolute blast. And that look really of his is. face says it all. He really is. Uh, so they're both back onto the onto the roof. Um, the Undertaker then grabs Mankind by the throat and choke slams him onto the roof, which gives way. Um, and Mankind falls and lands in the ring. The ring doesn't give way like we saw, um, or like we mentioned in our previous episode, the Cactus Jack Triple H one. Um, for a nice added touch as well. A chair falls through uh, behind Mick, and that hits him in the mouth and dislocates his jaw. <laughs> also knocks a tooth out. So it's really, things are really coming up mankind here. <laughs> yeah, the, the rest of we had no issue with that chair. Class action lawsuit. Dangerous work. Dangerous work environment. Uh, yeah, 100%. Uh, JR says, good God, and King replies with, that's it, he's dead. Uh, somebody stop the damn match. Um they're so good at this point in uh, in the match, I think, the commentary team. Just to break kayfabe slightly here, so this is a, a spot that both men said was unplanned. Um, Terry Funk has also corroborated that. He said that basically the uh, cell was designed to give way, but he what should have happened is he should have landed on the cell and then slowly sort of fallen through rather than it him bouncing, it falling immediately and then landing on the ring. Mick Foley's talked about the fact that he was knocked out immediately as he, he hit the ring and you can see as he lands that his head sort of bounces. Um, he's also said because it's a bit, it's not a full choke slam, it's more of a, he grabs him by the throat and pushes him. Uh, but he's said that if it had been a full choke slam, he'd have died. So thank God that it was just a... Uh, a push down rather than an actual choke slam. Yeah, I mean, imagine the, if the force he'd have driven him through through there with if it had been a full choke slam. Jeez. Yeah. 
Um, and the other thing that sort of came out on the back of um, interviews and stuff, so The Undertaker has said initially when he grabbed him by the throat, his foot was on the same panel that Mankind was, but he decided to uh, move his foot so it was on one of the support beams to give a little bit more support. And if he hadn't have done that, then they both have just fallen through and probably landed on top of each other. Um, so yeah, it didn't exactly go to plan. From what Mankind's talked about as well, he says this is the, the spot that was more painful and more dangerous. Um, it, do, it doesn't necessarily get the same credit, but uh, I can see why, because he really bounces like head and shoulders off the mat. Yeah, well, as you say, this one was, this while, while semi-planned, this was the spot they were actually going, the execution was as they were going for, and yeah, he's always going to pick up that injury with a spot that hasn't gone the way it's actually supposed to. So I could completely understand why he feels that was far more dangerous than the actual fall off the cage. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, so the Undertaker climbs through um, the, the gaping hole in the top of the cell. Um, I notice here that he winces. Um, and the, I then uh, was reminded when I looked into it that the Undertaker was wrestling this match with a broken foot. So... <laughs> Yeah, you, it's not you a see bad him, performance uh, considering, but go on, sorry. Yeah, you you see him land. I thought he'd done his knee because yeah, as you say, he drop he drops that last. It's weird because he, he climbs down. If he'd have just climbed down a little bit further, he'd have been able for him just to step down. But he does. He just drops. He, as you say, you see him grimace. Yeah, and I thought I thought he'd done his knee in, but if he's got a broken foot, that probably explains it. Bearing in mind, he's climbed up the cell twice at this point with a broken foot as well. It's so impressive. <laughs> so Terry Funk's back in the ring helping Mankind. Undertaker chokes, slams in, and both his shoes come off, uh, which is... How does that, how does that happen? <laughs> I've no idea. I mean, I was, he's literally, he's literally choked, slammed him out of his shoes, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. Um, Undertaker, so the match is still going on because Mankind, for some reason, is back up. Um, Undertaker goes for old school. I don't know what it was called at this point in time because it wasn't old school. Um, just what a manoeuvre, I guess. Yeah, it's just... I don't... Oh, I can't even come up with a gag quick enough for what old school would have, old school would have been. Yeah, it's edit, still... edit one in or just leave this bit? No, no, it's fine. We're just... We're just, we're just we're just we'll just record it now we're just ma massively laughing and we'll just look like someone's got lost in the edit <laughs> yeah yeah exactly uh, i edited the wrong bit silly me um, but as uh, the undertaker's on the ropes um mankind charges into it and as always is the case when that happens the undertaker lands testicle first on the top of the ropes uh, Mankind's then sat in at the bottom or the base of the turnbuckle, just sort of rocking maniacally, and he turns to the camera with a bleeding mouth and a tooth hanging out of his nose. Um, again, just a little clip that whenever I watch this match, it, it sticks in my mind, but he looks so happy, so maniacal. Um, it really, uh, his character at this point is perfect for this match. It's like, how bad do you have to be hit for a tooth to come out? It's a tooth to come out your nose. I kept thinking they were saying it wrong when I was listening to the commentary. It's like, it looks like a tooth. A tooth out of your nose. So I think a tooth got knocked out and it's got then got stuck in his nose. It's not like pop, 
Maybe it has, but I don't think it's popped through the skin. In- I was say, I thought like, I was like, I was like, has someone driven up something with that much force? Has driven a tooth up through his, through the roof of his mouth and through his nose? No, the other, the other one actually makes far more sense. Yeah. Otherwise, it'd be like the Lisa needs braces episode where the dentist is showing what could happen if she doesn't get braces and the tooth goes through the top of her brain. That, we'd end up with that sort of situation. That's that's what I was thinking had happened, but no. Yeah, actually, that makes far more. That does make far more sense. It does explain why he's not dead. Yeah, definitely. Um, Sergeant Slaughter, sorry, Mr. Slaughter is uh, relocking the cell at this point, and JR is fuming at this. Who's made that decision? Yeah, <laughs> well, he's back on his feet. He obviously knows what he's doing, so let's let's let him get on with it. When JL goes, who's made this decision? Well, it's the commissioner. He's in charge. Look, you can see him there, padlocking the cell. Is he actually the commissioner, or is he just calling himself the commissioner? I think at this point he was he, he was actually uh, he was actually commissioner. No, the commission. I was making a gag about I know, it. I know, I know you're, sorry, you're, saying, you're saying about stolen ballot. I know. Exactly, exactly. Sorry, it took, me, it took me a second. <laughs> Never mind. Mankind goes to the outside, gets the steps, but he can't lift them. Um, and again, the actual reason being that he dislocated his shoulder in the, in the first spot when he was thrown off the top. Um, Undertaker then, back in the ring, jumps out to do a, hit a suicide dive through the ropes, but Mankind moves and he um, hits the cell and cuts himself open. Alright, best case scenario, Mankind didn't move. The Undertaker's got about three feet between the cell and the ring to hit him and stop dead. That's not how momentum works. He was always going to hit the cell, regardless of what happened. The problem with this shot, like like half the stuff when you want to, when you want to do something that looks <laughs> really dangerous, and you want it to look dangerous, but you can't you either have to do it properly and actually do it and risk killing yourself, which isn't going to happen. Or you see the Undertaker go to do the dive and stick his hands out and stick his hands into the cell to make sure he doesn't have any momentum as he goes in, yeah. which is what actually happens. So you see him dive and you see his hands come out, the grab hold of the cell to make sure he doesn't hurt himself. For some reason, it had in my head, when he was uh, bouncing off the ropes to go for the suicide dive, I thought, he's not going to go for the old... Um, jump from inside the ring over the ropes because he, he probably would have killed himself if he'd done that with a hell of a cell there that, the cell at this point is falling apart I imagine if he'd have done that he'd have just gone through <laughs> just <laughs> straight through it yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just... cell would have flipped over <laughs> yeah possibly Mankind back in the ring hits a pile driver onto the chair um, that's, that he'd brought out and had, he'd uh, dislocated his jaw earlier uh, for a two count. He then hits a double arm DDT, rolls out of the ring and gets a bag from under the ring. King says, what is it? Some sort of bag or something? Insightful, King. <laughs> I can see that it's some sort of bag. <laughs> Just see Jerry going, it appears to be some kind of bag. <laughs> Maybe there's something inside the bag. Mankind puts his hand in, starts pulling some thumbtacks. The crowd slowly starts to pop as they realise what um, what he's getting out. Um, he then tips the bag over, and the ring is half the ring is covered in thumbtacks. He then punches the Undertaker towards them. Uh, we get a few sort of reversals. Undertaker goes for a choke slam. It ends up with Mankind getting the mandible claw. For some reason, he decides the best way of doing that is to stand directly behind him. We were talking a few, a, a couple of series ago about how 
in our coverage so far, we've not really seen an arm up, drop, arm up, drop, and then it, the third one comes back. So it was nice to see that here. Get that one ticked off the list. Yeah, exactly. Bucket list done. Um, so yeah, the Undertaker, as the arm goes up twice, on the third one, he manages to catch it. Because Mankind stood directly behind him, he stands up, gives him a piggyback, walks backwards towards the uh, the thumbtacks and drops um, the full weight of him backwards onto the tacks with Mankind landing on them. Instead of Mankind decide- deciding then to um, roll off the thumbtacks, he decides he wants a-, a few more, so he rolls more into the thumbtacks, which I thought was a- an odd decision. If you do that, there's less there next time you get dropped on it. See, thinking... Well, or they're already stuck in you, so they're going to hurt as much when he lands on them again. <laughs> clearly, clearly, for having three or four hundred already in him, was not enough thumbtacks to actually make it look good. No. So, Mankind gets back up. Undertaker grabs him by the throat. Hits a choke slam onto the tax. The pain as he lands that's etched on Mankind's face is ridiculous. Imagine how painful that would be. We've all, I'm sure we've all at one point stepped on a stepped on the drawing pin. Yeah. And you know, it's you know it's horrible getting stabbed with a drawing pin. I can't begin to imagine what actually having loads stabbed in your so time is like. Yeah, absolutely. Mankind back on his feet. Undertaker hits him with a tombstone. The, um, I initially thought of, um, the first time I saw this, thought he was going to hit the tombstone onto the thumbtacks, which would have been <laughs> ridiculous um, in kayfabe. Obviously, um, in real life, that would have just meant the Undertaker's kneeling on some thumbtacks, but um, he just hits it on the ring. They bounce up everywhere and, and go all over the place, though. So, hits the tombstone. Undertaker gets the three count and wins. Um, the commentary team big it up by saying that nothing they've ever witnessed has come close. Um, I'd say that's probably still the case. Like In terms of how much this pushed what had been done in the past, I don't think there's much that compares to this. No, exactly. It's the fact we're still talking about it now, so, what, 22 years after the match speaks volumes, it's... Really a classic is going to it was still be, I imagine another 20 years time if WWE is still going and we're not all living in tiny little huts after Covid's wiped out the world's economy <laughs> I'm sure if I'm sure then people will still be looking at that match and still not being able to believe that he actually did that off the cage no I completely agree uh, so Mankind gets loaded onto the stretcher in the ring, but he decides he's climbing off it and then is helped to the back by Terry Funk and Slaughter. Um, Funk has decided not to put his shoes back on. He's just walking around in his socks. There's thumbtacks There's... everywhere. <laughs> I was just going to say, literally, he's a, he's a man who could... If we could go back in time, I'd warn him. I'd go, hey, Terry, thumbtacks, careful. Just put, just put your shoes back on. Or... You know what, tie your laces before you go out to the ring and then they won't come off when you get choked slammed. What's he wearing? Boat shoes. (laughs) Possibly. Um, Foley um, had always been a heel up until this point in WWF, but he gets applauded as he's uh, carried to the back. And I think this is definitely the sort of night that set up uh, the the more fan-friendly Foley that we get um, in in the coming years. That's it then, Chris. What are your thoughts on this one? It's all right, isn't it? Stop that. <laughs> it's a, a classic. about? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a classic. I mean, I, I, it's been a, it's actually been a while since I've rewatched it 
to be honest. So I went back in today. I obviously you remember the the main the main spot, the the cage fall, but you forget how good the rest of the match actually is as well. You forget the other. I completely forgot about the spot actually getting slammed through the cage through. Completely went out of my head when I think about that match and the fun decks. So when you go back and revisit it, it's so much more than just that one spot. Everything around it works great. Yeah, but it's definitely like it has. It's not brother, but people remember it for the one spot of him being thrown at yeah. the top. Um, but as you say, there's so much more to it than that. And just in the ring. So if you compare this match, um, so if you take away the the thrown off the top and thrown through the cell. Um, this match is better, so much better than the previous one that we covered with the boss man. Um, not that that's particularly hard, but bearing in mind that Mankind's concussed and has got a dislocated shoulder, they managed to put on a decent match, even if you ignore what had come before. So I, I love this match so much. So, well, before we give star ratings, how does this compare? To, so I know that your, you always say your favourite Hell in a Cell match ever is the Armageddon uh, 2000 Hell in a Cell. Um, have yeah. you rewatched this one? How does it compare for you? It's it's brilliant, but it's still not as good as Armageddon. No. Armageddon having six or five. I think said six wrestlers at the top of their career. Five wrestlers and Rikishi at the top of their <laughs> at the top of their at the top of their career. That was the biggest singles push uh, Rikishi got, really. So <laughs> he was at the top of his career. Just, uh... Yeah. Yeah, sorry, yeah. So five absolute superstars and Rikishi. Yeah. <laughs> I feel really bad for poor Rikishi. But this, I mean, this, the spot on Armageddon works works brilliantly, but you can see, you know, there has to be padding in that truck. You don't drop someone just onto a metal no. truck with a, without risking killing them. So obviously the spots here are better, the cage fall. The actual match overall, no, I, I love I love it, but Armageddon, Six Man Hell in the Cell. Okay, best, what what are you giving me. this as a star rating then? I'm still giving this a five star rating though, because okay. it match. If I because I feel I can't. It's a brilliant match, and although I've literally just said Armageddon's the better the better one, and I gave Armageddon five stars, I can't do this down by giving it four and a half. It's a five star match. No, I I've also given it five stars. If nothing else, but for the the effort alone, like the the balls of jumping off the cell um, or being thrown off, I guess. Um, Dave Meltzer gave it four and a half stars. Um, interestingly, um, in 2019, Meltzer wrote an article about um, about the match with 20 years of hindsight, essentially, and he says that the match is terrible because um, it encourages stunt bumps which people would then do to do the same to get themselves over without having to do anything related to wrestling. Um, I sort of see what he's saying, but if it was just wrestling and that was the only way people could get over, I probably wouldn't like wrestling. If that makes no, sense. it's... Uh, exactly. I like, uh, it's, it's awful because it's, it's a case of... Yeah, I, I love wrestling and the... If you give me an Iron Man match, you give me Shawn Michaels Brown Iron Man match, then I'll go, yeah, you know what? And you give me a technical wrestling, just do 10, 15, 10 minutes or 15 minutes of technical wrestling. Yeah, I can really enjoy that. But I can't, no, I can't sit down and watch an entire pay-per-view of just technical wrestling. Yeah. 
No. We love wrestling because it's completely ridiculous. And they do stupid stuff like this. Yeah. People have said as well that the match is too violent and it sets the bar too high, which I guess is what Melts is getting at. Um, I... I can, again, I can see what they're saying, but the fact that Foley was so willing to raise the bar so high was um, was a good thing, and like it, the, it made um, it. It's one of the defining like moments of not just the Attitude Era, but probably all of WWF history. Exactly, can't put it better than that. Uh, Vince did tell Mick Foley afterwards, "You have no idea how much I appreciate what you did uh, for the company, but I never want to see anything like that again." Um, as per as per our earlier episode, Cactus Jack does get backdropped through a cell uh, through the ring, but that's different because he was Cactus Jack, so it's different character. <laughs> yeah, Jack, and that's literally how I got out of it. Possibly. He's just there. Uh, he's he's just there. Uh, go no, no, different different person completely. I'll wait for Dude Love now to be thrown off the uh, top of the. Well, we're already having people <laughs> thrown the... to their death off the top. <laughs> thrown to their death off the top of the. Uh, top of the building so completely what, can, what can he so. what can he possibly do now yeah um one other thing to mention uh, about what happens later so the main event the um first blood match between kane and austin mankind comes back out for the main event to help kane win the title um the undertaker also comes out goes to hit uh, mankind with a chair but uh, mankind ducks which is what uh, busts Austin open which is what wins Kane the title he would have it for one night and then Austin would win it back on the roll the next night okay uh, the only other thing I wanted to mention about King of the Ring uh, 1998 can you remember Chris who won King of the Ring that year it's gonna be it's gonna be someone rubbish it's gonna be it's someone like IRS or Savio Vega IRS. or something like that. <laughs> no, it's not someone quite <laughs> IRS level. <laughs> Who is it? God, then tell me. I'm never going to guess uh, it. So, this person defeated The Rock in the final by submission. Is it Shamrock? It's Shamrock. Ken Shamrock won it in 98, and then Billy Gunn won it in 99. So, two years where <laughs> it didn't quite have the effects that they wanted. Um, particularly if you can Shamrock- it to like... Oh. Um, Angle in 2000 winning it and being launched to be like a megastar. I feel bad for Shamrock actually because he had all the, he actually had all the tools to be a high performer in WWE. Yeah. Apart from his mic work was pretty poor. If you give if you'd given him a manager, if you'd given him someone on the mic with him, he could do he could do all the ring stuff. I feel yeah. I've, Shamrock is unfortunately I think he should have got better things Imagine, that he actually got in WWE. If, if uh, Heyman was around then, uh, pairing him with someone like Heyman would have been perfect. Yeah, especially when it's like he was a gen- genuine UFC fighter and it's one of, one of the times when the lines weren't so blurred between WWE and cage fighting. Yeah. So you could have had him looking absolute killer. Yeah, and there was such a big deal made of the fact that he was a UFC. I'm not sure if he was I assume he was champion. I, I, I don't know exactly off the top of my head, but he was definitely a big deal when he came into WWF. Up next then for The Undertaker. So he'd move on to feud for the title with Kane and Austin, uh, which eventually got him realigned with Bearer um, and leads into the Buried Alive match at Rock Bottom that we discussed in the previous episode, which is the start of the uh, Ministry of Darkness. And that leads us into the boss man, Hell in a Cell, that we covered last time. So we've done it quite back to front, but... We saved this one to last for a very good reason. <laughs> yeah, and to be fair, 
if, if we do, if there's nothing else unique about our show, it's that our timeline is all over the place. Yeah. We, we, we will throw it in no matter where. We will go the Royal Rumble 99 to 2000, back to 98. Then. <laughs> we'll do what we want. Like, we, we make our own rules. Uh, any closing thoughts on this match or King of the Ring then before we uh, move on, Chris? I used to love King of the Ring. I wish they'd bring it back. I wish they'd bring it back properly. That's all I have to say on that. I wish they don't don't do those stupid preliminaries. So you only have the semi-final or the final there at the pay-per-view. Bring it back as a whole full night pay-per-view. Put the title match on. It's title match on. That's absolutely fine. So each title defended or a couple of titles defended, but the actual tournament should be your whole main focus. I don't mind there being some uh, qualifying matches or prelim matches, but have like from the quarterfinals on the on the pay per view. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm, that's what I mean. Yeah, I didn't I didn't mean do the whole do the whole thing. <laughs> the whole that's a, that's right. Yeah, it's a twelve hour pay per view. This Sunday <laughs> coming up. I mean, I mean, just like the good old days. So we go we go in court. We go in eight wrestlers quarterfinals, and we go from there. And that that whole paper, the whole tournament should be your sole focus on that pay per view. Yeah, yeah. I I do miss King of the Ring. I think if they brought it back now, it'd be. Um, like a a side uh, show or um, not a paper well, not that they really have pay-per-views but it wouldn't be um on the same level as other pay-per-views that they like they were back in the day get NXT um, to do it NXT yeah. will smash it yeah they really would okay that is it for King of the Ring 1998 and that is it for Hell in a Cell matches that we are going to cover in this series um, what we've got left next time then is a review episode of Hell in a Cell uh, where we talk about which spots were our favourites I wonder what we're, wonder which one that'll be uh, talk about who the best performer has been throughout um, the matches that we've seen which matches we should have covered instead um, I'm sure there'll be a few mentioned that we could have done probably not in the last 10 years but uh, before that I, I'm sure that there could have been some there's also a very special treat coming your way in the uh, in the next few months so make sure you uh, check out our Twitter for that that's at select match pods big news on the horizon okay all that's left then is for me to thank everyone for listening as always thank you very much Chris um, hopefully we've talked about this match in the sort of gravitas that it deserves I think I think we did I think we did we did it justice good so they gave us they we, we considered them were they're worthy enough for us to be covering their match they can thank <laughs> us when they see us they, they certainly can I mean how, how many other times in the coverage of this match has someone mentioned that Terry Funk's still not wearing shoes when he uh, leads mankind away <laughs> that's the sort of detail that we bring to proceedings okay thanks very much Chris speak to you next time thank you for having me sorry take care bye